Let us pray together. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, the king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what the Amalekites had and was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Heavenly Father, we are here today not to only offer you up our sacrifices, but more than that, and most importantly, Lord, we are here to obey you and to be obedient to you, Lord. I pray, God, as you transition to the message, I pray you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, that you open up our hearts and our ears to receive your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you strengthen us here today. Help us to be protected, especially during this time of our worship and praise and this time of our sermon, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you speak to us and give unto us the bread of life and the spring of living water. We are desperate for your touch. We are hungry and thirsty for your word. We thank you. We love you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are listening here today. Lord, may it be pleasing, Lord, in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things. Your precious son, just cause me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's take a moment to greet our fellow neighbor at this time before we begin. God bless you. It's good to be here. Today, I want to share with you a story found in the gospel. And it's a story that is not really preached upon uh, often because I guess it doesn't fall under uh, one of those powerful and uh, popular stories like the Samaritan woman or the woman who bled for 12 years, the man who was lame for 38 years, paralyzed for 38 years. And sometimes we just kind of overlook this story. And in this story, it's found in the same book, the book of John, as was mentioned last week. And it's going to be found in John chapter 4, verse 47 So if you turn to John 4 with me, earlier in this chapter, we see, if you have your Bible, it talks about the Samaritan woman, which we talked about last week. And then going down, going down, all the way to verse 43. This is after he leaves for Galilee. This is where the story is found here today. And I wanted to talk to you about this story because it was in my heart and the Holy Spirit led me to share this message with you. And I believe that as Christians, we are called to grow. Amen? Can we turn to our neighbors and say, grow? Not to Lewis and Josh because they've grown enough. But the title of today's message is called The Growing Faith. The Growing Faith. Good to have Lewis here. The Growing Faith. 
I try to model it after uh, Josh's favorite book, The Giving Tree. Right, Josh? That's what you said? The Giving Tree? No. The Growing Faith. The Growing Faith. And our scripture is found in John 4, 47 to 54. So again, last week was about the Samaritan woman, who is also known as the woman at the well. She doesn't have a name. And then Jesus, his next target is this individual, and he is an official, a royal official. Doesn't have a name, but complete opposite, contrast in their social standing, their status of who they were as a person. So the heading is, Jesus heals an official son. So verse 47, it says this, When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Verse 48, Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Verse 49, the royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. And then Jesus says in verse 50, Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. Jesus is not new in the block. He already knows the hearts of people. He already knows the way the system works. He knows whose hearts will be pure and whose hearts are corrupted and whose hearts are hardened. And when Jesus says in verse 48, unless you people, he's talking about people of high standing, people who have everything they have, who is of a high status in their community, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Jesus is testing this man, saying that you will trust in your riches, you will trust in your fame, you will trust in your popularity, but you will not humble yourself. And believe in me. And then the role official, he responds, Sir, come down before my child dies. He keeps being persistent. He is pushing. And then Jesus sees his faith and says, Go. Jesus replied, Your son will live. The story goes on. The man took Jesus at his word. Again, that's important. He believed. He listened and he believed and he took it to his heart. He took Jesus at his word and departed. If he didn't, he would have what? Maybe kidnapped Jesus, begged Jesus, held on to him, but he believed his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Verse 53, then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Amen and amen. amen. And what we can learn from the story is that like anything in life, anything in life, it could be in your hobbies, in your skills, or whatever we are doing, if we are not growing and ever-changing, especially in the Christian faith, as a Christian, I'm going to say it again, if we're not growing and ever-changing closer to the character of Christ, to the heart of Christ, we are dying as Christians. We are dying. We are as good as dead. In other words, if we're not effective in the kingdom of God, we are as good as dead. 
And that theme is mentioned all throughout Scripture. Particularly here in Matthew 4, it's mentioned in other Gospels as well. But here in Matthew 4, verse 13 to 14, now on the screen, but the heading says salt and light. It says you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt. Imagine having breakfast, grabbing that salt, and it doesn't taste salty. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? How does salt get ruined? Water. It's ruined. You cannot restore water, salt, unless you dry it again. But it is a process that we need to go through again. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If you are a light cover under a cover, we're as good as dead. If you are a salt without the saltiness, we are as good as dead. As Christians, if you are dormant in our walk with God, we are as good as dead. We become a pool that will attract all types of viruses and bacteria. And therefore, we will die. Therefore, in our walk with God, God calls us to do three things, and three things are found here in the scripture. First one is belief. Number two, grow. And number three, to rely. To have growing faith means this, that we have all these three characteristics, three things mentioned, to believe, to grow, and to rely. Starting with point number one, belief. Can we turn to our neighbor and say believe? Oftentimes, Desperation will call us to respond to God in two ways. I'll say it again. When we are desperate in life, it will call us to respond in two ways. Letter A, go closer to the heart of God, what this man did, what this royal official did. He went closer to God. Or B, go further from the heart of God. That's why in trials, you see two different responses in the book of Job. Job went closer to the heart of God, Joe's wife went further from the heart of God. There is no middle ground. It's either you go all the way to God or you run away from God. It's you go closer to the heart of God or you go further from the heart of God. And the question is that we need to ask ourselves is which one are we today? In this story, you'll see a man. You just saw a man of high and important stature. A few verses before, it was about the Samaritan woman in verse 1. Two people with contrasting statuses, different standing in this place. One is a Jew, the other one is a Samaritan. People of different ethnicity, different background, different gender. This woman was a woman of no distinction nor worth. An outcast of society, that's why she was there at midday and noon to avoid people while she went to draw water. In contrast, this royal official is a man of high position. 
We know that he is wealthy because he has his men with him. His men who work with him will report to him. He has people under him, meaning he is a man of high position and his title is provided. And we know, that, we know this by the description given to us in this scripture found in John chapter 4. And we see that this is a man, regardless of how rich or how popular, he runs after the heart of God. He has a desire to want to know the heart of God, has tremendous faith and believes that God can heal his son from this disease that is killing him. And a lot of times we think the scripture is only for the poor, for the marginalized, for those who are physically and economically poor, who do not have much in their bank account. The scripture is for all, is for every individual, whether you're rich or poor, male or female, it doesn't matter. The word of God is available for every single individual. I've lived in a lot of different places, and particularly, especially in this region, you'll see a lot of uh, kids who are more wealthy, I guess you can say. And some of them have mansions, I mean, huge houses. Right? They some, had a friend who had a neighbor uh, who was a celebrity. And at the end of the day, what I realized was it doesn't matter whether you are rich or whether you are poor. As human beings, we are all broken people. Because at the end of the day, we will all die. And the life that we live is sad because life is difficult. And this man was desperate. And he went after the heart of Christ. He chose the former, letter A, go closer to the heart of God. And what this man does is a model and an example for us that we should follow. This government official of high status in his community. He humbles himself and he begs to who? To who is this man that he is begging to? In the eyes of the society, in the eyes of the world, they see a carpenter from Nazareth. A poor man, a carpenter. Why? He goes and he asks and he begs Jesus to heal his son who is dying. Meaning he had no care for his high standing. If he looked down on Jesus, he would not go to Jesus. He would not beg Jesus. But regardless of how rich or how poor or what we have or what we don't have, as long as you go and you go to Jesus and you back to him to ask him for the healing or for whatever it is that you are in need of at that moment, he will come to our rescue. Verse 47, Jesus heals an official son. He says what? When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, what did he do? He didn't go, Psst, who is this guy anyway? He what? He went to him. And the scripture is very clear. It says he begged him. He begs this carpenter, begs Jesus to come and heal his son who was close to death, meaning he was desperate. He had no other option. And Jesus was the only option. 
And at the end of the day, whether we have 100 options or 200 options or three options, we only have one option. One option only. And that's to go to Jesus and to beg him. At the end of the day, that's what we are all called to do. Whether we have millions in our accounts or negative balance in our account, we have one life and we all bleed red. We only have one soul, one spirit, one body. When your life ends one day, you'll be accountable to the living God. One day our lives shall come to an end, unfortunate end, but only unfortunate for those who do not have Christ. But to those who have Christ, you are fortunate, you are blessed. You have nothing to worry about. Jesus will come to our rescue. So going back to my point, point number one, belief. What does it mean to believe? Here, to believe just makes very clear. It's not about miracles. It's not about miracles. Yes, healing the son is a miracle in itself, but miracles do not keep our faith grounded in our walk with the Lord. It is very clear. Even if you witness a miracle, it's not a guarantor of your faith being strong and remaining strong and being grounded in Christ. A lot of churches right now are so focused on miracles after miracles after miracles, and that's all they care about. But what God cares about, what Christ cares about is your faith, your humility to beg him, to go to him, and to ask him for help, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing. Perfect example is found in John 6. Skip two chapters in John 4 and John 6. And the story is a little long, so I'm just, I don't know if I'm going to read the whole thing, but please be patient with me. But just to give you context of this, right away in the early chapter of John 6, Jesus feeds what? How many people? 5,000 people. Good. He feeds 5,000 people. So people are there. They're like, wow, free food, entertainment, miracle. It's awesome. It's amazing. I want to be there. Jesus is amazing. He's a superstar. He's a rock star. I'm going to follow him no matter what. And then Jesus, a few verses later, right before this, he walks on water because he's tired, right? He's like a celebrity. He's like, ah, oh, I need my space. So he goes out, walks on water. Who does that, right? I'm going to go for a walk. He's walking on water. It's like, I know Ron, he likes to walk with rain. Actually, Louis, maybe, because it looks like you came back from Korea, not Las Vegas. He's just more Korean now. But anyways, running or walking on water just to clear your head. Jesus, he walks on water, and when he comes back, Jesus, he gives them the real message, the real gospel. And the heading says, Jesus, the bread of life. And it says, when they found them on the other side of the lake, in verse 25, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me. You're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, meaning the feeding of the five thousand, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You were just there for the miracle and the entertainment and the free food. Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on hand, God the Father has placed a seal of approval. 
Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? They're asking, how can I gain this? What are you talking about? The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. There's only one thing, ladies and gentlemen, that we can do as Christians, as people. All we need to do is believe. Believe. You don't have to do anything but believe. Do not seek for signs. Do not seek for miracles, but believe. And then Jesus goes on and he says, I will offer you the bread. The bread, he's talking about my body. You have to eat my body, my flesh. You need to drink my blood. And people are like, whoa, what is this? This is kind of gross. Like, this is getting too much. This is cannibalism. What are you, what are you talking about? But Jesus is talking about a spiritual language. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. He goes on all the way to verse 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh, verse 55, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. He's talking about the Israelites in Exodus story. But whoever feast on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is the same story, the same teaching that Jesus gave to one audience, to the Samaritan woman, and what Jesus said to the royal official, the story that we just read in John 4. Just believe. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. Nothing more. Nothing less. And how do people respond? In verse 60, and this is very important, the heading, if you have your Bible, it says, many disciples, many people desert Jesus. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples are grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Again, Jesus already knows your heart. He already knows who will believe and who will not. For he knows the secrets of our hearts. Amen? Amen. He already knew. He already knew. He already knew like he knows your heart here today. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. You are here today because God has enabled you to be here for you to receive the message. If you have a relationship with Christ, that means he has enabled you out of your free will to choose him and to choose Christ in your life. And then what happens, verse 66, from the time, it doesn't say, remember point, in point one, letter A and B, you go closer to the heart of God or you go further from the, from the heart of God. From this time, many of his disciples, these people, they choose the latter. Many of his disciples turn back and no longer follow him. 
And then Jesus turns, you do not want to leave too, do you? He's talking to his 12 disciples. Simon Peter answered, I hope this is our answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe that you and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. Again, he knows who will be faithful and who will betray. Churches, ministries, they're always looking for that next miracle. When we enter a church that is full of miracles, be careful. True Christians, what we learn from here, to believe is not to seek miracles. Do not seek after miracles, for they are fleeting. True Christians shall grow in their faith and will what? Believe. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Just belief. And the question is, when we believe, we beg. We don't ask arrogantly. We don't believe arrogantly. We humbly beg as this man begged Jesus. As he went to Jesus, verse 47, he went to him and what? And begged him. Who is begging? This man of high official who has everything that he needs. He is begging. This woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who has nothing, a woman of no worth, an outcast of society, she is begging. Who is begging here? Are you begging? Who is this man begging to? And that's what matters. A lot of people, we beg to the wrong things. We beg to other spirits. We beg to astrology and the beliefs or the new age, the religious things that we create, the idols in our lives. We seek after idols, celebrities, friendships, popularity, relationships. In life, it matters who we beg to. Who are you begging to? Please make, make sure that you are not making a pact and begging with the devil, with the world, with Satan. A lot of these celebrities who have millions of followers, thousands of followers, it doesn't matter whether you have few followers or many followers, it matters. What matters is your heart's intent, your desire, who you're begging to. A lot of them are popular and famous because they have made a pact with the world. They have made a pact with the devil. They have made a pact with Satan. And what we can learn from this story is that the only person who is worth begging to, we beg to, is who? Is Jesus Christ. So who are we begging to today? What are you begging about today? What are you begging about? I'm not saying go to Jesus and beg to him to get you a Bugatti, right? To get you something that is a material thing. But what are you begging about today? Are you begging for an easy, stress-free life? Okay, good. Maybe you will have that, but for how long? Life is never easy. It's never easy. That is why we need a Savior. Someone to come to our rescue. You guys know that song, People Need the Lord? When I was younger, when I did missions in South America, 
or Central America, Tiene que saber, that's what, that's in Spanish, People Need the Lord. It's a popular song, it's an old song. My brother Enrico knows the song, People Need the Lord, you know? Oh, <laughs> it's like, it's like, every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. It's just talking about the description of people and empty people filled with care, headed who knows where, on they go through private pain. Every meaning, every human being, whether rich or poor, they're living fear to fear. We go out on the street, waiting at the bus stop. We're in the subway, we see people. Every single one of them have a heart's cry and a heart's desire. Fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears. So the whole song, the premise of the song, and we did a mime on this. Not our team, but back in the day. And the chorus goes, people need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize people need the Lord? Tienen que saber. People need the Lord. And what we learn from the scripture here today, from this royal official, is that he needs the Lord. And you too, you need the Lord. Amen. 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 Verse 48, 49, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. But he wasn't looking for signs and wonders. The royal official says, sir, come down before my child dies. To believe is not to rely on miracles. To believe is to go to him. To believe is to back to him. That is a miracle in itself. For someone's heart to turn from the worldly ways, from their stubborn ways, and to turn to God. That is the miracle that Jesus seeks that he desires from us to believe. So again, point number one, believe. You either go closer to the heart of God or go further from the heart of God. Point number two, grow. Can we turn to our neighbor except for Lewis and Josh say grow. Grow, grow. okay, good. Grow, unless Josh, you wanna grow more. Yeah, no. <laughs> to grow is to obey, to obey is to believe. And to believe is to listen. And to listen is to obey. I guess the key word here is obedience. Growth equals what? Obedience. Obedience, obedience. Obey. Obeying the Lord. So one of the key ways to test and to see if you are growing in your faith is to ask yourself this question. Every day, ask yourself this question. Am I obedient? Am I obedient? Bless you. Life comes down to obedience. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Earlier in the opening prayer, I shared 1 Samuel 15, 20 to 35. It's talking about Saul. Saul's mission as the king of Israel, he was to kill what? All of the Amalekites, including the king, including the cattle, everything of that kingdom. But what happens? He is not obedient to what God had told him through Samuel. Samuel was the prophet. Samuel was the one who gave him guidance. But Saul chose not to listen. 
It says, instead, in verse 21, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. They took the materials, the cattle and the things, so they can use it, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Galgo. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? He says what? To obey is better than sacrifice. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's kind of long. But pretty much the premise of that story is that there's so many things wrong here. Number one, he does not obey God. He thinks he is obeying God, but he is not. He has twisted and made his own version, a fusion version, of his own way to obey God. And, and second, he says, it's not the Lord my God. And all throughout the story, you'll see Saul say the, to Sammy, he says, the Lord your God, your God, not my God, but your God. He had no relationship with God. He only cared about what he wanted, Saul. So only care about what the men and the people thought of him. So he did what pleased the people, not what pleased the audience of one and God himself. He had no care for what the Lord had wanted and commanded him to do. Samuel, for him, it was very clear. Obedience, obedience, obedience. If you know the story, Saul, Samuel is the one that appoints Saul as king. And then Samuel, he brings what? The story of who? David. That's the line. That's the story there. That's the context. David comes, David and the Goliath, that David. King David comes after Saul because Saul was disobedient to God. And God had rejected Saul as king. And therefore, God brought who? A young shepherd boy. A boy who knew how to shepherd God's people. And you see a lot of these leaders, when they're young, they were shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Moses, they were all shepherds. They knew how to sh shepherd the people, as God is our shepherd, the Bible tells us. So only care about what he wanted and what the man wanted. He had no care for what the Lord had wanted and commanded him to do. It was very clear. Obey God, put Agag the king, put him to death, destroy everything, do not leave anything behind. And here's a million dollar question. Why did the Lord command Saul? If God is all loving and kind and patient, why would God give a command to annihilate all the people, the Amalekites, for the Israelites to kill off the Amalekites? Why? Little history lesson, the Malachites were heathen people. They would rape, plunder, steal, destroy their following neighbors. In fact, they were the first group of people that attacked the Israelites when they entered the land of Canaan, the, the promised land. And they would continue to harass and destroy and influence the Israelites with their gods. And because of their heathen and idolatrous worship to their religion, eventually God knew, again, God knows the hearts of the people. That's why he says, get rid of idols in your life. You shall have no other idols before me. He knew that it would hinder the Israelites. Some of us, we have addictions and things, and we need to kill it off. 
We like to leave it there. We think it's all about self-control and discipline. And we leave it there, pack of cigarettes there, and we leave things there, and we think we can overcome. When we're with a group of friends, oh, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. But some of us, we need to get rid of these friendships. We need to get rid of these relationships because it's going to hinder us and it's going to destroy us. And this is a question of obedience. And that applies not just to the Israelites' people. This doesn't just apply to the Samaritan woman. This doesn't just apply to the royal official. This applies to every single Christian, especially for those who are in this room. These people were terrorists. And terrorism doesn't end with just one generation. Right? If you watch the movie The Kingdom with Jamie Foxx, we see at the end of the movie, spoiler here, <laughs> the son of the terrorist, we see it in his eyes. He's going to continue that legacy. And it's not going to end. It is brought down from generation to generation to generation. Either love and forgiveness is brought down from generation to generation, or idolatry, hatred, division is passed down from generation to generation. That's why if you look at a lot of these kids, people who come from broken homes, the promise that they make to themselves, I will never meet a father, a husband like my father, or a woman like my mother. And we see it continue on from generation to generation to generation without you even knowing it. And that happens. But in Christ, I'm here to tell you, the Bible makes it very clear, the generational curse can be cut off. You no longer have to be a victim of the things that have been haunting your family from generation to generation to generation. When you give your life to Christ, it ends. And then you start a new generation of believers in your family, and you pass it on to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. And the perfect example is Josiah the king. At the age of seven, it says he had terrible parents. He had terrible fathers and a grandfather. I think it's Manessa, and I forget the exact names, but, but we see that God used them in a tremendous way because of obedience. Obedience, obedience, obedience. In life, we must not have any other idols. I cannot be more clear than that. Other than Christ himself, you cannot have any other gods. No other love before you. Later, we're going to sing the song, Undivided Heart for Offering Song. And it says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Show me your path, O Lord, for I am devoted to you. Purify my heart's desire. I long to be your servant. It says, what? Well, give me an undivided heart undivided heart, that I may fear your name. Give me an undivided heart. No other gods, no other love, no other gods before you, Lord. Yes, that is the truth that God is speaking to every single one who are here today listening. Amen. Saul's interests were no longer for the Lord. It was very clear. It wasn't and hasn't for a while. It hasn't been for a while. 
His track record speaks for itself. And what he does in the future, the way he tries to harass and kill David, it shows his heart was corrupted. His interest was for his own interests. And that, my friends, is the scariest place to be. When your heart gets to a point where all you care is about what I want, as long as I am okay, as long as I am happy, it's fine. And that is the scariest place to be. Because there is a point of no return. You've gone too far. His heart was no longer in a place where he obeyed. Is obeying. And sadly will ever obey the Lord. His past present spoke into his future. And that was his future. It was cursed. It was done. Just like Pharaoh, God hardened his heart. In fact, Pharaoh hardened his own heart to the point of no return. No amount of miracle can change that individual's heart unless that person turns to the Lord with humility. And that's what this royal official did. He went to Jesus. He what? Begged. Begged. Verse 50 says, Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. And what does it say? He didn't argue. He didn't fight back. What did he do? The man took, took Jesus at his word. He believed and departed. Not angrily, not that he was upset, not that he didn't believe, not out of a heart that it was hardened, but he took it. He received it. He received the word, and then he left. First notice, we need to notice, again, our point number two, grow. He is growing. How is he growing? How is he growing? How he is growing in his faith. You see it. Letter A, to grow is to obey, as I mentioned, even with the story of Saul in 1 Samuel 15. To grow is to obey. B, to obey is to grow. And C, to grow is to live it out. And to believe is to put it into action. What does that mean? You don't just obey in your heart. Yes, Lord, I obey. And then you do nothing. Okay. Just stay here, and I'll be up on a mountain in this cabin in a tent. I'm obeying, Lord. I'm here. I do nothing. Obedience leads to action. When you believe, it leads to action. It is not one-dimensional. It is four-dimensional. It is all precedes it. Inside, out, outside, in. It calls us into action. That's what it means to grow, is to have obedience. And lastly, point number three, and I'm almost done, this is very short, is to rely. Rely, rely, rely. Uh, in this one life, uh, we learn to rely on what? On who? On one. One. Not just anyone. Scripture makes it very clear I'm talking about the one and only who was and is and who is to come, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the Alpha and the Omega, the Lion and the Lamb. Who is he? It's Jesus, fully man, fully God, 
that is the individual that we rely on. That is a relationship that you and I have. It's to Jesus. Verse 51 to 53, what does it say? While he was still on the way, just imagine his heart, what the father was feeling at that moment. His son is dying, and Jesus says, just go, your son will live. What was going through his mind and in his heart? I'm sure everything, but he had one thing. He had faith. He had hope. He believed. And he's still on his way. His servants met him with the news that his boy was living. Imagine that news when that news was broken to him. The joy that he felt. The tremendous weight that fell off his shoulder. What he gained was not just the miracle of his son living, but it was a miracle of his heart giving his heart to God and having a relationship with Jesus, believing in Jesus. That is the greatest miracle in itself for you to believe in Jesus and for you to go to heaven and for you to be with him for all of eternity. That is the greatest miracle. People can come up here on stage and they can try to lengthen your limbs. They can try to heal you and do miracles in front of you. Yes, those are good things and it can be good things or it's not, but it's not the main thing. The main thing is, do you believe? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know him as your Lord and your Savior? Is he your Messiah? That's what it boils down to. Verse 52, when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, because I'm sure he was curious, right? They said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon. Jesus is doing a lot of work here in the afternoon. A lot of us, we like to take our afternoon naps. Doing nothing. <laughs> yesterday at one in the afternoon, just like the Samaritan woman, midday at noon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus has said to him, your son will live. If he had a smartphone, he could have screenshot it, provide it as evidence. This is the time of the video clip of him talking to Jesus. So he and his whole household believed. Again, it's not just for yourself, just like the Samaritan woman. To her testimony through Jesus, everyone in that town in Samaria came to believe, right? So it's not just for yourself, it's for others as well. He and his whole household believed. So a few things to take note here as I close this message. Letter A, he is always on time. He is always on time. Even though we may be late, or we think we are late in this life, or we compare my life to our friends or someone else. Oh man, I think my life is pretty late. I don't think I should be where I should be according to the standard of this world. I don't have this job. I don't have this, this dream that I wanted to do. It doesn't matter. What matters is that he is on time. He is always on time. B, he always keeps his word. What did he say? Go. Your son will be healed. Will. Meaning he keeps his promises. 
always. And lastly, let us see. We are called to rely and to believe in Jesus Christ. And that's what it comes down to. That's all it comes down to, my friends. Life comes down to you believing in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just mean believe and stay where you are. It's to what? Grow. If you're not growing, you'll be a pool of all types of bacteria. And this is eventually drink that water, you will die. But what we need to do is what? We don't do dishes with the same water week by week. Imagine you did that week by week, week by week, the same water. You need a fresh water to clean out the old water. It's a continuous water that comes from a pipe, from a well. In this case, the well of life. Eternal well of life. Eternal well of life is not the Jacob's well that was found in the Samaritan story. In John 4, in verse 1, it's talking about spiritual language, the spiritual water, the living water that comes from Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. amen. Again, our three points here. Number one, belief. Number two, grow. And number three, rely. Make sure that we have all these things working together all at once. You're believing in him. You believe in him. You're growing in him. And you rely on him each and every single day. Don't rely on miracles because we saw the character of people. They come and they go. You know, they love miracles. They love to cry during service. It's not a bad thing, but it's not the main thing. Emotional thing that we search for and look for. But being a Christian is not an emotional movement. It's not a teary movement. It is a choice that we make each and every single day. And it is Christ that strengthens us and restores us. That only comes to those who what? Who what? The points are who believe. And then you will grow and to those who rely. Amen. 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 Praise God. With that, I'm going to invite the praise team. Oh, if you guys could please come up. And what I would like for us to do is, can we all actually stand to our feet? And the only thing that I would like for us to do uh, this afternoon, this afternoon now, is for us to ask him for one thing. And what's that one thing? Just like the song uh, that, Lord, I desire to be like you, though I cannot fully be. I desire to be like you. It's the love of my Lord. Oh, how beautiful. It's the love of my Lord that always feels beyond belief. It's the love of my Lord, amazing and great. It's the love of my Lord that moves my heart to know you, Lord. The only thing that I would like for us to ask for is to ask God to continue to help you to grow in your faith and for you to have the right desire to worship him. And with that, 
as we do that, we're going to sing this song in the background. And I want to invite you to lift up your hands if you need to. But let's spend a few minutes of our time before God in prayer and worship and seeking his face and asking him, him to restore you, allowing your faith to grow, mature in your faith, in your walk with the Lord. Because life is hard. Life is difficult. It is not meant to be easy. It will not be easy. In fact, it, it is difficult. It will be difficult. And as you know, it is. But in God, we will overcome. In him, we have overcome. And it's a promise that is given to us. Amen? So with that, I want to invite you here today to worship and to pray and to seek his face. Let us worship and seek his face together. Let us pray and let us sing. Heavenly Father, we love you. Heavenly Father, we need you. I need you, God, more today than yesterday, God. Lord, I'm desperate for your touch. Lord, the only thing that I have in this life is my desire to have a relationship and to know you, God. Lord, I realize today that nothing else matters. No other gods, no other idols, no other love. Heavenly Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, come strengthen us. Bring us to a place of humility as this rich official. For he only sought after one thing and one person, and that is you, Jesus. May our heart's desire be for one no, thing and one thing alone, and that is you, Lord, we need you. Holy Spirit, teach us your ways to walk in your truth, oh God. Though some of us, we come from a broken family. And Lord, the world has taught us, as your father was, and you shall be. Or as your mother was, you shall be. Lord, we break that curse in Jesus Christ. We ask God for freedom. Freedom from this bondage of chains. This family generational curses in our lives. We break forth and we look to you and we seek after you, oh God. May this new life, new start begin with me. May it start with me and may it continue to the next generation. Lord, I desire you here today more than yesterday. Lord, I'm desperate for your touch. And I will be obedient to your word. When you say go, I shall go. When you say stay, I shall stay. And I will believe upon the promises that was given, Lord. And I will not waver from this path that you have called me to be in, Lord. I will continue to seek after you with a clean and pure heart, oh God. Lord, I pray for those who are here today listening to your word. May they know you and seek after you. May they cry after you. May they not seek after miracle after miracle. But may they seek a relationship, a miracle of believing in you. To believe 
is a miracle in itself. There is no greater miracle for one than for one to give their life and to have a relationship with Christ. There is no greater miracle than to see you face to face and to be on judgment day and to be accepted into your kingdom, O God. To be able to enter heaven and to be in your presence forever. That is the greatest blessing and the greatest honor that one can receive. Nothing else matters, God. Even though, God, you may heal me from this disease, even though you may save our family member from a disease, at the end of the day, in a few years, God, all of us, this finite life, it will one day end. For I do not live from miracle to miracle, God. For I live each day just to seek you and to be known by you, oh God. And to have a relationship with you, that's all that matters, Lord. And to be your hands and your feet, to be used by you, to put it into action. This life that you have given me, this new home you have given me. To live for your kingdom and for your glory, nothing else matters, God. To know you and to be known by you, oh Lord. God, I pray you would touch, touch our hearts today. So that we may seek your face and to grow in our faith. To grow is to obey. To obey is to grow. Lord, I obey you. Forgive me, Lord, my trespasses. Forgive me of my rebellion. Forgive me for mimicking the heart of Saul. But may we, like David, be a man and a woman after your own heart to seek your face so that we can be used by you. Cannot fully show. Though I cannot fully show, I show my love for you. Though I cannot fully say, I confess my love to you. Though I cannot fully know, I come to know you. That o l 
Jesus replied, Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. I pray, Lord, that we will grow in our faith. We will not be lukewarm, stay stagnant where we are. But, Lord, may we continue to grow in our faith and in our walk with you, God. If we're not growing, we are dying. If we're dead, there is no hope for us. But Lord, in Christ, while we're still alive, while we're still here, there's hope for us here today. For the Word of God promises that today, today, not any other day, not yesterday, not tomorrow, for tomorrow's not guaranteed. But today, right now, while I have breath, today is the day of salvation. So God, I want to thank you for loving us and watching over us. And giving us the greatest gift of having a relationship with you, to know you, and the greatest miracle in this story. Yes, it was a miracle in itself that this child lived. But what's more amazing and what is everlasting is the lesson that the father will teach the child to believe, to believe in Jesus and to have a relationship with Jesus. For that is the greatest inheritance that is the greatest gift that we can pass on to the next generation. Lord, you can give riches, you can give all the things, the material things, and all those things will rust and rot and will be forgotten. But you, Lord, our relationship with you will last forever and will be everlasting. So God, we choose. We choose the latter. We choose you. We choose the greatest gift, the greatest honor to know you and to have a relationship with you. I pray for protection for our members. I pray you protect those who have heard this message here today. May it take deep root in their heart. May it produce a reap of harvest, of abundance, of your work, of your good fruit, so that life will be shown for what it is, a life that is grounded and rooted in Jesus Christ, a life of obedience, a life of growth, a life that relies on one person. And who is that one person? It is Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you. 
We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you for this message. We thank you for this time of prayer. We thank you for this time of intercession that we had to pray to you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you. We love you for all these things. Your precious son, just c a u s e me pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. As our closing, uh, I guess you could say not closing, it will be our offering song. It's a song that I mentioned earlier. Undivided heart. Let's just sing it one time straight through. And then I'll pray for us for our offering. Let's sing it together. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Show me your paths. Show me your paths, O Lord, for I am devoted to you. Closing song, The Path of Life in Jesus. We're going to do it one straight through, and then we'll close the service with a benediction. Let's sing together.
Let's return to our seat and let's close the service with the benediction. Again, before we pray, can we turn to our neighbor and say, grow. Amen. Let us grow in our faith. Amen. Amen. Let us pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now may the unending pursuit, may the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel, and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit which surpasses all the knowledge of this world continue to guide you, lead you, and protect you forevermore. And as God's people we pray, amen Amen. and amen. amen. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you.